Well, somewhere in, in the back of my brain, there is a file. It's a, it's a memory file. I don't, know, I don't know if you can see it. Can you, can, you, can you see it back there? But there's a file that's called Stuff Happens. And I'm guessing that you probably have a similar file that if you pulled it from you know, the shelves of your brain, you too would probably have a file that would say, it's called Stuff Happens. I, someday I think, you know what, we should just have sort of a sharing session and we could just share about you know, stuff that has happened to each of us. But some time ago, my wife, Mary Elsie, who was just praying, <clears throat> she was parking the car in a parking lot. It was filled with cars. And she pulled within this, you know, the painted lines of this, the, of this stall. And as she was doing that, her outside car mirror kissed the car mirror of the adjacent car that was next to her, only it knocked that one off. And so when she got out of the car, she saw this woman. She saw this woman that was kind of coming towards her, and Mary Elsie said to her, she says, is this your car? And she said, no, thank goodness, and what a stupid thing to do. When Mary Elsie told me this, I, I thought, I mean, I'm guessing. I mean, maybe she was having a bad day. I don't know. But I had this hunch of discernment that it sounds to me like a lot like she wasn't filled with the Holy Spirit. Just sort of a, a hunch. Anyway, Mary Elsie had written out a note to put on the person's windshield. And, and when she had finally finished writing the note, the guy showed up in his car and Mary Elsie was all apologetic and said, listen, I'll pay for the damages. And he said, ah, he said, don't worry about it. He says, it's, it's not a Ferrari. It's just an old car. He says, I'll take care of it. I'll, I'll fix it, no problem. And I thought, wow, this, this is like role reversal. Here was a guy who had every right to probably be upset, but he responded in a gentle, gracious, loving way, and I kind of thought to myself, I thought, wow, I wonder if this person actually knows the personhood of the Holy Spirit. Because he certainly had responded in a way that was reflective of somebody who had received that gift and was filled with the Spirit. For those of you that were here last week, you know that we have kind of dug in and delved in. We began to look at the book of Acts, and, and in the opening passage of chapter 1, Jesus promises. He says, he promises to his followers that, you know, even though he's about to leave, he's about to descend, you know, to heaven, he says, but you won't be alone. Just don't go anywhere. Just wait. Wait for the gift that my Father has promised and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will receive power and you will be my witnesses. He said, you know what? You're, you're going to be world changers. 
They're going to be history makers. Just don't go anywhere. Just wait. And so Jesus, he gives them these, these final instructions before he ascends into heaven and before he's taken up and away. And that's where we left. That's where we left the, the 120 or so followers of Jesus. That's where we left them last week. They're, they're waiting. They're huddled together in a room, a room in Jerusalem, just waiting. And I can just imagine, you know what, they're probably confused. They're probably maybe even somewhat, maybe nervous, maybe even overwhelmed. They don't really know, you know, what's about to happen. They're not really maybe up to the task that Jesus has called them to do. But they're waiting for a supernatural touch from God. A supernatural touch. So this morning... We're going to come back to the book of Acts, and we're going we're gonna to turn the page. We're going to turn the page to Acts chapter 2. And we find when we open up in Acts chapter 2, we find that this is where we find them. They're waiting. They're waiting in a room in, in Jerusalem. It's been 10 days since Jesus told them to wait, and then he ascended into heaven. Ten days that they have been waiting. So they're perfectly huddled and they're, and they're waiting together. Now I want you, just imagine yourself if you're in that room with them. Picture yourself if you're in that room. Do you think you have any idea what is about to happen? Do you think they had any clue about how God was going to move? What he was about to do or how he was about to show up? They, 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 didn't, they, didn't ha- they didn't have this book. They, di- they didn't say to one another, just wait until Acts chapter 2. There's something that's going to happen. No, nobody was saying, you know what, it's been 10 days. Do you know what happens on the 10th day? They had no clue. And I picture them praying something like, Lord, we are way in over our head. We don't know what's going on. We don't know what's about to happen. We don't, we don't know what you have commanded us to do. This, this, is, this, this is just way too hard. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that? But they trusted. They, they trusted God. They were waiting. They were waiting in this, in this room. And they humbled themselves and they waited, desperately dependent on God. And can I just say, you know what? That is the best, the absolute best position you can ever find yourself in. Desperately dependent on God. Because that's when you and I tend to empty ourselves of ourselves and look to God, knowing that if he doesn't move, if he doesn't act, we're sunk. We're in trouble. We need, we need a move of God. 
So here's 120 believers, 120 followers of Jesus gathered together in this room, and this is what the Bible says. It says, suddenly. In other words, there's no warning. There's no, you know, okay, get ready now. There's, there's none of that. It says, suddenly. A sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. So what Jesus promised in Acts chapter 1 has now come to be in Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit. And it's descent from, from up there. It's coming down from up there was described as coming with a sound like a, a violent wind. I don't, I, don't know, I don't know if you've ever experienced being in a forceful, blustering wind. But there are certainly people around these parts that know what we're talking about. And I'm thinking about the tornado of a few years ago where we know there were trees that were uprooted, there were trees that had fallen on top of houses, and there were people here at Arlington Woods that saw the effects of that wind, knowing that you know even part of the roof was blown off here at Arlington Woods Church here, which is right, I believe, right now above where the Evergreen Hall is, right? When I lived in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, say that word, Saskatchewan. This was a number of years ago, but when I lived in Saskatoon, there was a street called O'Brien Crescent that came to be known as Tornado Crescent. Because for three successive years in a row, three successive years, imagine, there was a tornado that ripped through there. And on one of these occasions, my car was parked at my friend's home the night before. Only for him to tell me the next day, he says, Grant, the chimney of my neighbor's house came and landed on the hood of your car. I'm saying, yeah, right, 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 yeah, what? The wind, the wind was so strong that a mobile trailer, like not a tent trailer, one of those enclosed mobile trailers, and move from the driveway across the street to the other side. The wind was so strong. A strong, violent wind. But the point here in this passage is that what happened to them was like a violent wind. It doesn't say that it was a violent wind. It said it sounded it was like a violent wind. They all felt it. They all saw it. And it came to them from, from outside of themselves. It came from heaven. Showing up as tongues of fire. 
which throughout the Bible, fire is always associated with, with God's presence, with his, his divine power. So here's the Holy Spirit arriving in a new way like it had never done before. This was a new thing. This was a new thing. And it comes to rest on each of them, it says. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love this. Because to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to say that divine power has come from outside us and it has come to inside of us. Which right away runs contrary to the ways of our culture. Because our culture tells us, our culture tells us that our problems are those things that come from outside and inside, inside of us, we have what it takes to rise above them. The Bible, however, tells us, you know what? It tells us that our main problems are what lie with inside of us. And that the answer is actually out there where God can come and meet us with what we need. I was watching a, a movie about a week ago. And there was a, a line in it that says, you can do it. You have it within you. And there's also commercial after commercial after commercial whose message is to inspire, is to inspire the greatness in you. Saying that, you know what? You have everything you need within you to overcome whatever it is that life's going to bring your way. The Bible actually says the reverse. The Bible tells us that we don't have actually what it takes in here. Inside of us. To overcome everything that comes from out there. But rather the Holy Spirit that is out there can come inside of us. Enabling us with his power to overcome whatever comes our way. Ephesians chapter 3 talks about this. For those of us who have said yes to Jesus and have invited the gift of his spirit to come inside of us and to fill us with his spirit. But we live in a culture today where people seem to say, you know what, I have a problem, but you know what, it's not me, it's you. You're, you're, you're the problem, it's not me, it's you. Do, do you know how hopeless that is? If all of your problems are a result about people, about other people whom you have no control over, what a hopeless situation. But what, what if, if your main problems are you? Then there's hope, because then God can come into your life, and he can change you. He can come and be a difference maker in your life. One of the most praiseworthy kind of stories I know of is about a fellow who was a part of our church in, in Niagara, down in St. Catharines a few years ago, and as a teenager, he was somebody who, he always got himself into deep trouble 
as a teenager. You know when the offering plate comes by, at least in the days when we used to pass the offering plate, you know, you know people put money into the offering plate? He, he would take money out of the offering plate. He was involved in B&E's. You know what B&E's are? Breaking entries into people's homes. And on top of that, he was involved in drugs. But when he came to embrace God's grace as a young adult, when that day came and he began the journey of having his inner being transformed by the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit that comes from outside and came into him. If you met him today, <laughs> I'll get it out. <laughs> He's one of the most joy-filled, fun-loving followers of Jesus, highly involved in the church sings worship songs while he paints. It speaks of what God did and what God does and what God can do through the power of the Holy Spirit. So the 120 or so, you know, Christ followers that are, you know, huddled together and they experience the, they experience the tongues of fire that came to rest upon them rested on them and filled them with the Holy Spirit. And the passage goes on to say, goes on to say this. It says, you know, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And as Carlene read from us earlier, you know, and there were others, it goes on to say, we won't revisit it, but there were others from other nations that had come and they were being able to declare the wonders of God in their own native language. What, what is clear from the passage is that all of them who were gathered, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. That's very clear. And the Holy Spirit sometimes comes upon people with these sudden extra bursts of power, but other times he may come about in quiet and unassuming ways. It's not always like that, but sometimes. And when the Spirit, what, what the Spirit will do, well, it really is anybody's guess. But God moves mysteriously amongst his people. And on this occasion, in this instance, what people saw and what they heard left them, it left them mysterious because they even said to one another, what, is, what does this mean? So it left them mysterious. And while there were many who were amazed at what was going on, people speaking in tongues and speaking, others speaking in their own native language, this is how the passage ends. Get this. This is how the passage ends in verse 13. It says this. Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. When, when somebody is moved or touched by the Holy Spirit, 
when someone, when one is filled with the Holy Spirit, what, 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 what can that look like on the outside? Well, Tim Keller, for one, says it can look like one is drunk. And the Apostle Paul, he picks up on this in Ephesians 5.18 where he says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. The reason that there were some who thought they were drunk was because of their joy-filled expression and lack of fear. They were declaring the wonders of the gospel out in public without any inhibition. They were, they were too happy to care about what people thought. They were too joy-filled to be afraid of anything. Now, the, the analogy to alcohol is, is limited. Like all analogies are. That's a tough word for me to say. Like all analogies are. They're limited. But the idea of being bolder and fearless with the Spirit is being compared to being drunk. Only so much better because with the Father's arms wrapped around you, the Father's arms wrapped around you make you so joyful and fearless. The Holy Spirit doesn't make you drunk like alcohol does. That's why Paul says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Because alcohol is a depressant. And it affects part of how your brain functions. You, you are less aware. You are less aware of reality. And you can't, you can't really think straight. Reality is hidden from you. You see, you see the difference? What, what's really wrong is hidden because alcohol is a depressant. But the Holy Spirit is not. The Holy Spirit actually gives you joy, which actually gives you greater awareness. Not through a lack of awareness, because the Holy Spirit brings about a greater reality, puts you in touch with reality. It says, you know what, hang on a second. You know, the only person whose opinion matters, the only the only one whose opinion and power actually matters, who, you know, loves you to the moon and loves you to the moon and back, will do anything for you, who has done anything for you, who's actually given up everything and will never leave you, will always be with you. That means that the Holy Spirit actually makes you more aware of reality. It puts you in touch more with reality. And therefore, the things that were bothering you before, they, be, they, become, they become small. They're not so big anymore. They become much smaller. When the Holy Spirit comes into your life and reveals his presence and becomes real to you, there's an assurance of who you are. And if there's you know, someone as, as powerful as that who, who loves me, who delights in me, 
who has given up himself at great cost to himself, who is always with me, who is going to make everything perfect, you know, one day. Why, why, am, why am I worried? Why am I worried or upset over spilt milk or somebody who cut me off or somebody who, who rubbed me the wrong way? Because I have the very one who is everything living on the inside of me. The Holy Spirit. And it's the same power that raised Jesus from the dead who is in you. Power to forgive others that you don't feel like forgiving. Power to walk away from temptation. Power to to say the right thing at the right time. Power to make the right decisions. Power to love unconditionally. Power to face fear head on and walk forward with courage. Power to respond or handle bad news with with a deep-seated joy and faith. Power to love how you look despite what the culture wants to mold you into. Power. Power that comes with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you have it? Do you want it? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for, wow, thank you for the gift of your spirit. A gift that came at great cost to yourself by sending your son to the cross to to serve justice for our sins. Something that we're about to remember and, and even ponder here in a moment through partaking in the meal that you left us with. Help us to move forward fostering and nurturing your spirit within those of us who have said yes to you, knowing that with your presence within us, we can follow you and your ways and be pleasing to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.